Thank you for joining the Georgia Chamber podcast. For 105 years, we have been the leading voice of business in the state of Georgia. Through these podcasts, we want to help you better understand the issues facing our state and how your business can grow and prosper. Thanks for joining us. To learn more, go to www.gachamber.com. All right. Well, good morning. I'm Chris Clark with the Georgia Chamber of Commerce, and I want to welcome you to our uh, Resiliency and Recovery Town Hall this morning with Governor Brian Kemp. The governor's on a pretty tight timeline this morning, so we'll save our announcements till after we spend some time with the governor getting an update. So, Governor, thank you for being with us. I know that you're extremely busy uh, every day with the operations of government, not just on COVID-19. So we appreciate you taking a few minutes to be with our, our members and our chambers from around the state today to give us an update on where we are with COVID and then talk about some of the other um, initiatives and some other things we've been, you've been working on. So thank you for being with us. And, you know, we had Governor Toomey on, I think about a week ago, and we talked to her about the numbers and where we were. And she told us to, first of all, not pay attention to the national numbers, only look at the numbers she's verified, which was helpful. And two, she told us to focus on the, you know, the percentage of positive case numbers uh, and ICU beds and some others. And so I'm, I'm curious, where, where are we today and how do you feel like we're, we're doing today? Yeah, looking forward to giving you guys an update. Thanks for organizing this, Chris. You know, I've, I've been one to get on the road and visit a lot of the local chambers that are zooming in this morning, and that's been hard to do in this environment, but I, I still uh, like the opportunity to stay in touch with you guys and certainly appreciate how hard everybody's working, quite honestly, in this uh, unusual environment, trying to fight through this. And, you know, we are, we are here supporting you. I can promise you every day uh, I continue to focus on not only protecting lives from COVID-19 and fighting that battle, but also the new battle that we've been fighting almost 100 days now as we reopen our state and continue to focus on getting our economy back going. And it's really interesting kind of reading uh, a lot of information on that. We're doing quite well in the state, but it's still challenging. I mean, there's some industries that are that are hanging on pretty good. There's others that are thriving uh, in this new environment, but then there's others that are just uh, really taking it very hard just because of, you know, a lot of people in hospitality and entertainment and it's tough, tough with restaurants and, and service industries and, and other things. And we understand that. And I promise you, I am doing all I can to keep everyone open, but also working with Dr. Timmy to provide guidance and guidelines be able to do that safely and I'll continue to do that. Um, you know we've got a, a lot going on right now and I, I'll just mention the, the national news and kind of what Dr. Toomey said the other day about this data. I mean people can pick any of these numbers and have good stories to tell or, or really horrific stories to tell. Early in the pandemic you know nobody was was focused on the, the number of new cases they were only focused on the number of, of fatalities and one loss to this uh, disease or, or illness is one too many. And we all agree on that. We're doing literally everything we can every day to, to make that as least impactful as we can. But, you know, now everybody's focused on the number of cases that we have, even as we've ramped up testing and, you know, there's no doubt there's more community spread because of different things that have happened to, 
protest kind of sent the message that, hey, it's okay to get out again and to gather. Uh, I think that sent, quite honestly, a, a wrong message, even though uh, most of us saw injustice with our own eyes and understood the reasoning for that. Um, but it, it kind of facilitated the start of summer, Memorial Day, July 4th, people getting out, socializing, graduation parties after school would have a you know, virtual graduation or a socially distanced graduation, but then, you know, parents were having celebrations in their backyard and they weren't socially distancing. And we've seen upticks from, from things like that. But we've asked Georgians to kind of buckle down. Um, you know, been, it's been, gosh, weeks now since the Surgeon General was here when we went, our, went on our uh, Mask Up Georgia tour with Dr. Toomey to really promote people remind them to re-engage, socially distance, wear a mask if you can't do that, continue to wash your hands, and then follow all the guidance that we have. And that's what we've been pushing the last couple of weeks. We're asking people to do that for a couple more weeks to socially distance, wear a mask, wash your hands, practice good hygiene, and then, you know, abide by the guidelines that we have for business, industry, um, you know, social uh, gatherings, religious gatherings, and other things. Just do those things for four weeks and help us flatten the curve again. And we're starting to see that. Um, we're watching the data, as you can ima imagine, hourly. Uh, even though we've had some really, you know, high days of, of new positives, our death rate, I've got a chart over here to my right. Um, you know, just looking at the data since July 1st, our percent of fatalities to new cases was 3.35%. At one point, it was almost at four and a half. So it's been coming down really since the start of June. Um, two days ago, it had fallen to 1.98%. So we're below 2% now. We had uh, 15 deaths two days ago. I think yesterday we had one or two. And then uh, we'll see what we get today. That number has been kind of fluctuating. It's been strange. We'll have a day where we may have 80 and then the next day we have 12. Uh, so it really depends on when they're reporting and, and things of that nature. But the fact of the matter is that that chart has been on a, a very steady decline. We're starting to see our cases um, have leveled out and are starting to be in a downward trajectory. Uh, you know, I'm not jumping up and down and cheering about that just yet. We had a, a pretty low day yesterday from what we've been seeing, uh, just a little above 2,000 cases, you know, where in days before it had been anywhere from 2,800 to 4,500. So we're hoping that that continues. But the main number I'm watching every day is the number of hospitalizations that we're having that are, that are COVID. And one thing that's different um, there's no doubt our hospitals are very busy right now, um, but that is a, it's a bad thing when it comes to COVID, but it's a good thing when it comes to other services that they're providing to our citizens. We need them to be doing that for two reasons. You know, we don't need people putting, you know, heart valve replacements or cancer treatments or, you know, hip replacements, knee replacements you know, other things that people need to live a healthy life. The longer you put those off, the worse it gets, the worse health, health outcome you have. And the hospital CEOs have told me, we cannot shut down again. We can't do like we did before when elective surgery shut down, all these other procedures shut down. People were scared to go to the hospital. Uh, I hope you all will, will continue to let people know it is safe to go to your doctor. It's safe to go to your hospital and do these procedures. You should do it. It's good for your health. 
but it's also good for the financial health of your healthcare institutions. Um, you know, back during the middle of the pandemic, there was almost 30,000 healthcare workers that got laid off by two big systems in Atlanta because no one was going in for these procedures. Um, the issue we're having now is there's so much of that going on, it strained the hospitals uh, somewhat. They're, they're holding their own, but I've pledged, the state has, and we've had a plan for hospital surge capacity for a long time. We're implementing that now. Uh, so we can put some of the less severe cases in the Georgia World Congress Center. We opened up Piedmont's Towers. We've got staffing that's in the four mobile facilities that the state uh, owns that's down in Albany and in, in Rome and in Gainesville and in Macon. And all of these extra beds that we're coming online, despite what you read in the media, they're not necessarily for COVID. They're for getting less severe patients out of the hospital so they can handle the COVID patients they're getting, but also continue to do these surgeries that keeps them financially viable. And that's something that's been a little bit frustrating for me as everybody's focused on the new cases. And, you know, there was an AJC article the other day that talked about, you know, hospitals were treating folks in the hallways and everything else. And they blamed it all on COVID but they left out the fact that there was a major car wreck with multiple injuries, a heart attack and a stroke at a small hospital. And for a few hours, it, it really strained their furniture room, but they were able to handle that. And those things happen, you know, it's like it happened when Grady's water main busted during the SEC championship game, if you remember. Um, so I just want you guys to know that, you know, we, we are not ringing the alarm bell over here. Uh, we are laser focused and working every day with our hospitals to make sure everyone has a bed and that we continue to support them uh, so that they're viable financially and people are getting the health care that they deserve. And I, I want to really, you know, thank Grady and Piedmont, John Hoppert and Kevin Brown and, and a lot of other systems where our mobile uh, facilities are in those four cities I, I mentioned that are working with us to, to help stand these beds up. We got other things the team's working on. Uh, we're starting to see those numbers get really flat in our hospitals. Um, the last, I'd probably say the last 10 days, you know, we'll have five days of a decline of hospitalizations and then we may have a slight increase and then it'll be another four or five days of it going down. We'll have a little bit of an increase. So, we're kind of now more instead of where we're seeing steady increases every day, we're now seeing, you know, a trend where it looks like we have more people coming out than, than are going in on the COVID side. Uh, so that's a good sign and, and we hope that that uh, continues. Um, some good news on the front of taking care of the vulnerable and medically fragile, and especially those that are in our, our long-term care facilities. You know, we've been focused on that. The federal government, we've been working with them. They wanted us to go do um, basically a site survey in every one of those to make sure those, um, those facilities were following the proper procedures and, and protocol for, for COVID and for, you know, cleanliness and sanitation and all the different things that they need to do to keep their patients or, or their clients rather healthy in that environment. We completed that by the deadline and that was 358 nursing homes that, that we did. And we are continuing to focus on that every day and our National Guard's been a, a big, a big uh, player in helping us do that. 
we had a call with the vice president yesterday in the coronavirus task force. They have a point of care testing that's going out to our nursing homes. We've started that, receiving that in Georgia. So now our nursing homes will have the ability to test their residents and their staff and do the, you know, do the testing at the facility, get the results at the facility, you know, in 15 or 20 minutes versus having to ship those off and wait two days. And that's gonna continue uh, to help that vulnerable population. And I certainly appreciate the Trump administration's and support with uh, Director Verma, Verma and, uh, and certainly the Vice President's leadership on that. That's been a big help to, you know, all the states and territories throughout our country. Um, you know, I know people were seeing a lag in test times. It's, it's very, it's really interesting to, to understand the whole testing apparatus thing. You know, at one point we didn't have enough testing, then we got the capacity and the cases went down and we couldn't get anybody to go get a test because things were in such great shape. So a lot of our private sector companies didn't really ramp up like they thought they were going to need to on the kind of the capital side of things with the equipment and, uh, you know, the ability to do more testing because they didn't think the demand was there. And then when this new Sunbelt wave came back, they were kind of caught flat-footed a little bit. Um, the demand was huge. Uh, probably people getting tested that didn't really need to, but, you know, we weren't going to discourage that uh, because we wanted people to get tests so they felt, felt, felt safe and we could control the virus. But the lag times just got to be ridiculous. And so we have uh, completely revamped and looking at our procedures from the Georgia public health side of things, our sites, but then we've been also working with the private sector vendors and asking them to do more and looking for new avenues. And we did a partnership with um, MAKO just a little over a week ago. So they're ramping up now. They'll bring an additional 10,000 tests to the market uh, over the next several days or maybe a week, 10 days. You know, I would tell you that if we do 10,000 more tests a day, we're gonna have more cases most likely than we're having now. But as you mentioned earlier, Chris, the key to that is to watch the percent positive. Um, we have seen that on a decline in Georgia over the last several days. That trend is, is looking better uh, every day. We're watching that very closely and that's really where we need your help to do those four things for four weeks, mask up if you can't socially distance, you know, follow the guidelines. Just try to not go out and put yourself in arm's way if you don't have to. And just help us with that for a few more weeks. Let us drive that percent positive down where we're not having the community spread as much as we have been. And that seems to be moving in the right direction, uh, but we're, we're not, you know, declaring victory by any measure. I also wanted to mention again the Georgia Safety Promise. That is something that the Department of Economic Development rolled out a few weeks ago. We've had a great, um, great uh, response from the private sector and our business community. And I know the chamber has been a big part of that to help us uh, stop the spread by basically, you know, adhering to the guidelines and then using marketing materials uh, to let your customers know that, you know, you have participated or you're participating in the Georgia Safety partnership and promise to, to make sure folks know it's safe to come into your business and that your employees uh, are educated and that will help us stop the spread. So I want to thank you guys for participating in that and also ask everyone out there 
all around our state to help promote that in your community. And there's a lot of good information on the Georgia Department of Economic Development's website. You know, in closing, I just want to really thank you all again for how innovative you've been, for how resilient you have been, and just to tell you to keep keep fighting. If there's things you're running into that need to be on our radar, uh, you know, we're fighting several battles here uh, for the business community to make sure that you can remain open and do it in a safe way. I'm very confident that you can do that. Uh, we have learned a lot about this virus. We've learned a lot about how we need to, to act and participate in that environment in this new world. And I know that small business owners and, and folks like you all, uh, you have to do that every day. I mean, your, your survival depends on it. Um, the health of our economy, but also the health of our citizens depend on people having good jobs that have good benefits that, you know, have insurance and that they have, you know, the ability to make their mortgage payment and pay their rent and buy food and buy medications and clothes and whatnot for, for their family. Um, you know, we don't need to get in a situation where the opposite is true in our state. And uh, I think when you look at our unemployment rate, it's, it's not great by any means, but when you compare it to other states that have been in lockdown for a long time and other states that have had you know, mass mandates and other policies for a long time. Um, you know, they're in the same boat that we are right now. They're seeing a rise in cases. They're seeing a rise in hospitalizations. Uh, and I'm not poking fingers. I, I believe every governor is trying to do the best that they can with the situation in their individual state. And I'm certainly doing that, that here. But I just know as a small business guy for 30 years how devastating it is. When you can't pay your employees or you have people that you know and you love that work in your business. And if you have, I mean, that's devastating for you. It's devastating for your business. It's devastating for that employee. It hurts the, you know, the revenues for the local governments, the state government. It's not good for your local hospitals and, and other folks in the, in the community. And uh, I just want you to know that we're in the fight with you. And if I can be of service, I hope you'll let me know. Well, Governor, we appreciate that. I, I know you got to go quickly, but can I ask you one question? One of those fights you talked about, and I don't think it's gotten fair coverage in the press. You know, early on in this, we had all the different cities with their different regulations. Uh, your order kind of smoothed that over, gave us one protocol, and we saw that re-emerging. Uh, the media has tried to make this something about the mask with the lawsuit with Atlanta, but I think we all know I've talked to members that had three stores within two cities within one county who all had different rules. Yeah. Can you give us, I mean, it was kind of hard to, to manage. Can you tell us a little bit about where we are with that discussion with the city of Atlanta and that lawsuit and kind of maybe the bigger picture for folks that have only heard the media's take on the mask side of that discussion? Well, you know, the, the media, Chris, is trying to make it all about the mask. And, uh, you know, the thing is we all agree about wearing a mask. I mean, I've been talking about that for weeks and for months and you know the state has actually been supplying masks to the local governments and to our school systems i mean millions uh, of masks so you know we can disagree on whether we need a mandate or what the policy should be um you know I, i've said i don't think people need a mandate to do the the right thing but we're having some good discussions in regards to that but the thing that that really put me over the edge was you know, the pullback of the reopening of the economy and ordering uh, businesses to shut down. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of local governments that ask for a statewide order early on when you had these, these hodgepodges of things, and, and we did that. But I think now that things have gotten political, there's others that want that back. And, you know, unfortunately, it's a lot of pandemic politics, but I, I don't have time for dealing with politics. So we're, you know, I, I hadn't, the decisions I'm making on the regulations and what we've, you know, done and not done, what we've, you know, basically put into a regulation versus what we've encouraged people to do. I've done with Dr. Toomey's guidance um, and input. And if anybody looks at Dr. Toomey's resume, this is good as anybody you're seeing anywhere on the, in the country. And I mean, anywhere. Um, you know, she's a 40 year epidemiologist, Harvard trained. She's been through this before, tons of experience. She's worked in public health for a long time. She's done it at the county level. She's done it at the state level. She's back doing that again. And, and that's what I'm gonna continue to do. And we're gonna be, you know, try to be transparent and fair and honest and not, you know, there's no playbook for this. And I don't pretend to have all the answers. What I'm trying to do is get the best information from the most knowledgeable people. And I get that in a lot of different places and look at the data and follow the science. Um, but a lot of people that, you know, are the so-called experts on this, you know, they're, they're getting paid whether they're going to work or not. Um, and, and they're not, you know, they're not having to, to make payroll. And they're not having to pay rent. And so as an elected official, you know, I'm having to deal with a, a lot of different, you know, effects of the pandemic. You, you have the health side of it, but you also have the economic health. Uh, I know um, Dr. Redfield at CDC, um, somebody sent me a text this morning that was a, a quote that was attributed to him. And I feel certain that he actually said this. Uh, I'm sure it could be verified, but he said it, it point now with the treatments that we have and as, as you know, good as we've been able to do to have the death rate being declining because of new treatments like plasma treatments, steroid treatments, the remdesivir treatments and things of that nature. Um, now with, with young people, you're seeing more deaths from suicide, you know, and mental health type issues than you are from COVID deaths on our younger population. Um, so all of those things are attributed to the effects of the pandemic. And I'm having to deal and really weigh all of those issues versus just, you know, somebody that's looking at a chart or a piece of data. You know, they're not, they're not having to go to their store every morning and open the doors and deal with people not coming in to shop there. I mean, I've been in that situation myself during the Great Recession where my partner called and said, you know, on a Thursday afternoon, say, you know, we had not had one single customer all week. And, uh, you know, th there's a lot of people right now that, that are experiencing that. And it's happening from the small shops and, you know, places like Vidalia or wherever, but it's also helping, you know, happening to great people, you know, great companies like Delta Airlines and, you know, our, our hoteliers and restaurant folks. And we're, it's, it's just a tough environment. We got to keep fighting through it. And uh, I just want you guys to know that I'm measuring all of those things in my decision making. And we do, and we appreciate that, Governor. And to, to end on a high note with you, it's been remarkable as we talk about the economic side of this. The last few weeks, you've had a string of economic development announcements from Commissioner Wilson and the team at Economic yeah. Development, particularly in our rural communities. And so, I mean, I, that, that gives me hope 
that we're going to come out of this stronger in the long term. I mean, I, I know you got to be proud of that group and you've had some great announcements. Yeah, I'm actually glad, glad you mentioned that, Chris. We have. It's been an incredible run. I think we've announced over 3,000 jobs um, since, gosh, I think the 1st of June right. with uh, new companies, expansions, new businesses that are coming here. It's been all over the, you know, all over the place too. You know, it's been stuff in Atlanta, stuff up in Murray County and Cartersville and, and other places around the state, which is great. It's, it's being spread out. We have a lot in the hopper too. It's been incredible, the volume that we're seeing. I think a lot of it is because of our environment here, which you all are a big part of that and our local chambers are as well. But also I think just the, you know, the position that we've taken as a, as a state and how much we value protecting lives, but also protecting livelihoods and making sure that our manufacturers can continue to operate um, you know, even when a lot of other states were shutting them down. Uh, I think that's going to bode well for us in, in the future. Uh, I want to thank the legislature for their support. Uh, just two things. We put an additional, it's only a two-year incentive, but it'll help us get out of this to be able to go out and, and solicit with an additional tax credit uh, manufacturers of PPE. That's with existing businesses too. You know, a lot of probably people on the call have have changed their business model to help the cause with COVID and it's allowed them to either hire new people or keep from having to lay folks off, helping supply and wear hand sanitizer, face shields, gowns, other things that people are, are doing. Um, but the other thing is the bond package that we passed this year, um, it's light on new projects because with new projects, you got new power bills, you have to hire more people, you have to you know clean the buildings, you have to buy furniture. But it is heavy on renovation and repairs and maintenance work uh, at state facilities, school construction, and things where we really need new buildings like in K through 12, but also just taking old facilities that have been asking for years for, you know, new heating and air systems, new energy saving uh, money to redo light fixtures. That literally will be going on all over the state. I, I would imagine it'd be almost every county which will help spread that money out, uh, turn that money in the local community with jobs and equipment purchases and things of that nature that, that it help our existing Georgia businesses. So I really appreciate the legislators support on that. And that was by design. That was something that we worked with, um, with them on to make sure that, um, that we're doing that. The other thing is we put uh, additional money into roads and bridges and railroads because you know, while the traffic's down, shovel-ready projects, it keeps people working, puts more people to work, and we can make a lot of hay, you know, while the traffic volumes are still down a little bit in the metro area with a lot of those projects. But those projects are going on all over the state, too, uh, on, on the bridge money and, you know, repaving and things of that nature, which will help on the, the recovery as well. Governor, we, we appreciate that, and we do appreciate the work of the General Assembly. You know, we're going to continue this conversation Thursday with three of your university presidents to talk about how we reopen our schools. We're going to have the presidents of Georgia, Southern Kennesaw, and Fort Valley State on. And then I also want to remind our listeners that next Tuesday is our annual congressional luncheon. We'll have Senator Perdue and a special guest, but we'll be talking about recovery and resiliency at the federal level, just like you've done here at the state level. Uh, and we do appreciate you, Governor. We appreciate your team praying for you and for the leadership of this state. Uh, but just thank you for all you've done and thank you for taking the time to be with us today.